This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 54, Cultivating Vulnerability. Welcome back, friends. I'm Becky Higgins, and with me is my friend and my co-host and my very vulnerable person across the table. That's right. (laughs) Becky Proudfit. How you doing, Becky? I got to be honest. Today, I am kind of a raw nerve. Okay. And that's okay. I try to talk about how I'm actually feeling. And generally, I'm very um, upbeat. Mm -hmm. And I'm still positive and happy, but I'm not upbeat today because I'm... That's okay. I had some experiences in the past 24 hours of just situations with my kids where I just feel like an exposed raw nerve. Do you know what I mean? Do you ever I experience do. that with kids? Oh, yeah. And I think that that's okay. And I actually think that for those of you who um, know you, know with air quotes, and see how you share on social media, they would, and listen to the podcast for that matter, they would yeah. know that you are really that happy, upbeat person. And also you have experiences like we all do where you just, you can't fake it. You can't. Yeah. You can't pretend to be just uppity up in all of your every mood when yeah. things get hard sometimes, like really, really deeply hard. So I, I love that you're in that place. In those situations, when I'm having raw nerve moments, mm-hmm. I find success by like sitting in that discomfort and sitting in that moment and not trying to fake my way through it, but like really just being there for a minute and feeling what I need to feel so that I can move back to that place of... You, of upbeat happiness. Yes. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was thinking, what is it that we do sometimes when we default to, um, what is the word, um, that distracts us from actually sitting in the feelings? Uh, everything else. Uh, no, I know. <laughs> I get, well, for me, I get busy. Like bad or habits. I'll like, yeah. I'll, I'll get, um, like there's a few different things you can numb, like watch TV. Or That's the check word out. I'm thinking of. It's numbing yeah, devices. Num- you can numb yeah. You, or, or sometimes ways I numb is I get really busy with something I know I can be super successful in and mm-hmm. I numb through that where mm-hmm. I'm just like avoiding. Um, and that hasn't been a tactic that works. In fact, it prolongs my discomfort and my pain. And so for me, it's just better to be like, yeah, this happened and and I'm going to sit it with it sucks and I'm going to mm-hmm. sit with it. And it doesn't mean I'm sad or depressed or that anything is wrong. I'm just processing through emotion today. And what a healthy thing great. to do, by the way. Well, thanks. Well, here's, you said something that I just think that is worth just pointing out for a moment, um, because I couldn't think of the word, but really it is, it's like numbing devices. And when I think most of us do that, when we struggle, we have a hard time. We do want to avoid the feeling. So we do pick up our phone and we scroll or we indulge in, you know, something we probably Food. shouldn't Food is eat. another big one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but one thing that you said that I don't know if a lot of people have connected for themselves, but I'm connecting it for me is when I do feel some discomfort or some, dissatisfaction of like my own abilities to handle something that's challenging or whatever, I do tend to turn to a task that makes me feel successful. (laughs) Is that wrong? Not necessarily. It can kind of put a bandaid on my feelings, but it's an avoidance tactic. It is probably more healthy on the avoidance tactic scale than some other things you could do for sure. Um, but it is. And (laughs) I'm just thinking of alternatives. (laughs) (laughs) I like to not prolong my pain. So, um, yeah. yeah. So you're dealing with it. Good for you. Thanks. Good for you. I'm going to share something really 
really positive that's going to oh, I can't wait. pick up the mood a little bit. Let's, Not that the mood is down. It's yeah. just being real. And what a it's perfect... A raw, and this is a raw episode. Yes. Really. And, it really um, is. We're excited to dive in, so... For sure. Let's first share one of the reviews that has been left on iTunes that is so beautiful. This comes from Libby B. Oakley, and she says, Thank you both, Beckys, for being such a positive, calming, hopeful voice in my life. I have had a rough couple of years mentally and finding your podcast has helped me find some new perspectives and to know that others have experienced similar things, especially as I transition into letting my babies leave the nest into adulthood. I love how you use first-person conversation so it feels less like a lecture and more like we are friends on the couch sharing stories with each other. I appreciate the time you have put into your sound with awesome mics and sound quality. I'm laughing because you know I've had some perfectionist (laughs) issues. Um, She continues. You're validated. Right, exactly. Not too much brightness, which adds to the calming, soft, inviting aura you emit as I listen. I am a little sad I binge listened and now have to wait to listen a whole week. Keep it up. You ladies are sharing your light and it is helping others find and re-spark their own light. <gasps> Did I you like- hear what she said? Respark. That's, That's special. Wow. That's so good. No, no, it, it's like true because every yeah. single one of us, every single one of you have that light already in you. Every single one of you. Yeah. And sometimes just a little reignition, a little yep. re-spark is all it takes to just get that to flicker a little bit that then helps to help it grow. And let me just tell you mm, that. So good. Yeah. We are re-sparking our own sparks. And I think sometimes we get confused like, you have to come from a place of authority. And yeah, Becky and I spend a lot of time um, in in working on ourselves and in intellectually seeking out knowledge so that we can share things with you. But honestly, we are learning so much from the podcast and we are developing so as much. human beings. Yeah. We are sparking our own light and finding hope in, in all these things right along with you. And so thanks for being here with us. Yeah. We really appreciate and love this work. And we super love doing it with you guys. We for sure do. Thank you very much for that, that review as well. Let's hear a quick word about this week's sponsor. Earlier this year, when I felt the undeniable call to reset, renew, and recalibrate my life, I knew I was supposed to hit the pause button on my normal work and life responsibilities and truly focus on myself and my health. I had never done anything like this, and I wanted to not only be incredibly intentional, but also smart about my next steps. In episode 38, Becky shares about her life-changing experience at Movara Fitness Resort. Situated near beautiful St. George, Utah, this place and these people are 100% devoted to your wellness and progress. After Becky's experience here, we both knew that we needed to spread the word about this incredible resource. You may know that we are hosting a week coming up um, at Movara in November, and this week actually sold out, which is kind of blowing our minds, but lucky for you, the magic of Movara is available all the time. We invite you to check them out by going to movara.com and calling the number on their homepage. When you register, just mention our name and they're going to hook you up with $100 to use at the spa. No matter when you make your way to Movara, we assure you that this unique experience is an adventure you'll benefit from for the rest of your life. So today we are going to be talking about vulnerability. And I think vulnerability is something that I always thought I was really, really good at. Interesting. Because I feel like I'm an open Mm -hmm. book kind of a girl. Mm -hmm. Um, And this past year, I've really been digging into like the study of vulnerability because to be honest, I think 
that we may have a skewed view of what this actually is. We like people in general? Just in general. Okay. Myself, sure. the public. I think that when we see people who are loud or super outgoing or we think that that equates hmm. to vulnerability. Mm-hmm. When I can really, see that. Vulnerability is so much deeper and so much more meaningful because I'll tell you, I am like a girl. I could sing in front of... 5,000 people, no problem. And she has. And I have. But like, I could do all kinds of crazy things yeah. and be completely emotionally closed off. Yeah, yeah. And so sometimes I think what we're viewing as vulnerability is like, we don't care. We're just, we're doing whatever and it's great. And that's really not what it is. It's so much better and so much deeper than that. Mm. So to me, um, when we talk about vulnerability, we kind of have to take it back to like the deepest fear that I believe all of us have and we have it on varying degrees, okay. right? I think that all of us in some small way, in some small part, if we're being honest with ourselves, have a feeling deep down, would people even like me if they really knew me? Mm. I can't totally be 100% open because if people ever knew like the 100% version of me, there's no way that they would want to be a part of my life. Do you feel that a lot of people have this fear and don't even realize it? 100%. So maybe some light bulbs just went off? I think that this is mm. a fear... I didn't think that I had. Mm -hmm. And then when I dug down beneath some emotions that tend to mask this at the heart of it in some big or small way and in different relationships, it's different. But I think that at the bottom of it, there was this underlying belief that what I was in my best and truest form was not good enough, Hmm. was not right, was not what it should be or was supposed to be. Um, And I think we really do all have this if we're being honest with ourselves. Um, And you may have just realized it. That's a very good point. Like you may be just really examining this for the first time to think, do I really have that belief? Because you can believe you're good and not enough at the same time. It's Mm. not like these are mutually exclusive emotions. You can feel not enough and enough simultaneously, right? It's crazy. It is. It is crazy. But it's true. It is true. Yeah. And we are very complex creatures. We are complex. And so our minds allow us to think about all of those things simultaneously, which makes yeah. it seem a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, totally. <laughs> but it's reality. Well, and I think as parents, we think, oh, my parents did this and that affected me this way. And so I want to make sure I don't do that with my kids. Like we're always trying to be better than the last generation. So whether you have hard, you know, a hard childhood circumstance or whether you have what you deem as the perfect childhood circumstance, we are imperfect individuals. We are imperfect parents and we are messing our kids up the same way our parents were messing us up. And it doesn't mean that we're bad or not enough. It means that this is the cycle of life. We are meant to be digging into this and finding our empowerment, finding our truth within ourselves. There is no parent who can raise your child and do everything perfectly. And your child's going to have this like intense self-confidence that's going to be you know, this fortress of whatever against, against bad things. That, that's just not the course of life. And I kind of have come to believe over the past year, that's not how it's supposed to be. That's not the point. The point is working through all this. And every single person has to work through this, regardless of where they come from, 
or where they're going. Like this is work we all have to do. That's why I love the title that you've come up with, cultivating vulnerability. You guys know that cultivate is one of our favorite words because of what it means. And I think that that's what I hear you saying is that as you who really curated this um, this content that we want to share today, that you really feel like that this is an opportunity that each of us have to proactively cultivate the vulnerability. This is not an accident. The way that we go through life is very intentional and that's what, that's how we need to approach it. Right? Absolutely. And this is something that is not like a do A, B and C and then you're done and you're vulnerable and yay. Like this is a choice you make every day and it's more of an awareness thing than anything else. Mm -hmm. It's being aware of what you're actually after because when you are not being truly vulnerable and I think we need to just change the word vulnerable right now because it's kind of a buzzword. And so I think we have all these, this preconditioning of what we think vulnerability is. So let's just change that. And let's, instead of calling it vulnerability, let's talk about living an open hearted life, being wholehearted and being open hearted because that's what it is. It's not about anything that's happening to you. It's about standing in your truth and knowing that you're enough and you can withstand whatever happens and remain open. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is, is it's the practice of openness. Yes. And that openness and another word that you've said that we want you guys to keep in mind as you listen is it's the openness and it's the awareness. So Mm -hmm. awareness is a choice. And as you're listening, and as we always encourage you, just pay attention to the feelings that you're having in your own heart and mind, because that is awareness. That's literally what it is. It's just being proactively conscientious of the feelings that you're having that have to do with what this topic is that we're talking about and how it applies to you. Typically emotions I find are not even just, there's an emotion and an underlying emotion. For me, there's like the emotion, the underlying emotion, the sub underlying emotion. And then we get down to the core of what okay, it actually is me. about. You're losing me. I'm losing you. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. You get what I'm saying? I know that I'm representing something yes. who are like, what are you even yes. talking about? Okay. <laughs> so when we are not living in an open hearted or a wholehearted way, when we're not living in a vulnerable place, it really keeps us from being able to create connection, mm-hmm. which is interesting because as I consider myself a vulnerable person, um, I have recognized in my life in friendships. Um, I've talked about this before in marriage. It was very, very, very difficult for me to like let down all the barriers. And so in some ways, yes, I'm living open heartedly. And in other ways, it is a serious challenge for me to actively let those walls down. And it's not something that just happens for me. It's You've something to that I have really to do hard on that. Yeah, really hard, but it has made all the difference yes. um, with the relationships that I have been able to do that with, which then has led to you to more joy. Let's be honest. Yes. Right. That's well, and in times, result. in times when I am not doing that, let me, let me give you some things that I have done as masking things so that I wasn't actually having to be truly vulnerable. Um, I truly don't care what, what people generally think of me. Like that is an authentic thing. Like I do not care about what, about what people think of Thank me you. generally. Okay. Yeah. i care what people who know me think of me. I don't care what the world thinks of me at all. Um, but I would be putting myself out there or I would be keeping myself really busy in things I knew I could be successful in to avoid the true vulnerability. Right. And, and these were like masking things like numbing, like we were talking about before. These are numbing, um, masking things we do to avoid truly being vulnerable. Anger is emotion in me that comes up when I am trying to avoid being vulnerable. It's so much easier to get angry with someone or to not deal with an emotion and then it ends up projecting as anger and impatience on my children um, because I'm 
I'm trying to protect myself. I'm trying to keep myself from feeling pain and feeling hurt and feeling disappointment. Um, that makes a lot of sense. And it does. It comes mm-hmm. out a lot for me in, in impatience particularly. Um, and so these are things I've done to mask. So Brene Brown, we love Brene Brown. Which, I've read, by the way, if only she were sitting here. I'm just saying. Maybe. I mean, we're talking she about. She will be someday. <laughs> we're talking about vulnerability, yeah. but Becky's not kidding. We really, we've, we've actually been in touch with Brene and we really do plan to have her on the show. So get excited and all, everyone just cross your fingers and toes yeah. that this actually works out and falls into place. But if anyone doesn't know who Brene Brown is, be, yeah. and before you continue, Becky, just, just Google her, honestly. Mm-hmm. But one of the first things that you'll come across is that is her talk, her TED talk TED about talk, vulnerability, yeah. which to this day is still like one of the top, top trending TED top talks. And it was from, five I want to say TED 2010. Talks. I mean, it's been it's a while, a long time ago. It's been a while and it yeah. was kind of an accident, but anyway, just two things that you need to make sure that you check out are that TED talk that Brene mm-hmm. Brown did on vulnerability. And also we've mentioned it before, but the Netflix special that she did on, um, well on Netflix. Yeah, it's on Netflix. <laughs> Is it on vulnerability specifically? Um, her whole study is on vulnerability and all the different ways it, it kind of manifests. And so that one she just, is about she, it's like, being bold, essentially, yes, and, and okay. daring to show up. And, and she all has, of her stuff points back to this the key of of what what this is all about at the heart, what it's all about. And it's about being open, authentic, honest, and whole and open-hearted. That really is the foundation of every yeah. bit of work that she does. And she's brilliant. And so just wanted to make sure that you, if you do not know who Brene Brown is, that you really do um, seek out a book or her TED Talk or her Netflix special and just understand some of this research-based wisdom that she's sharing because some of what Becky and I think about vulnerability really comes from what we've learned from Brene and is very, very helpful in helping us process how this applies in our lives. So, well, and I truly believe as, um, kind of a clinician of vulnerability. I mean, she is an academic. She has done extensive research. I would say for me, she is the most credible source, um, in every way has the best data, has the best studies. Um, about vulnerability and the data is important. So Mm -hmm. she has some really interesting things. So one thing Brene talks about is this, this quote from Theodore Roosevelt that kind of changed everything for her. And it came off the heels of that Ted talk where Mm -hmm. she gave the Ted talk and then had some really negative comments about being overweight, which she's a babe. I don't even know what they're talking about. She's a total babe. And thankfully she knows that. Oh, totally. But like, you know, putting herself out there talking about something no one was talking about and then immediate backlash of like, Mm -hmm. you suck. Yeah. Of course you need to talk about vulnerability because you're totally, you totally suck at what you do. Like Mm -hmm. just ugly things like that. Crazy stuff. And, um, she was going to that masking place of numbing watching. She talks about watching Downton Abbey for 10 hours. (laughs) You're like, I totally relate to that because seriously, I have, I have numbed a time or 10 with Downton Abbey particularly, (laughs) but it's a quote from Theodore Roosevelt and it says, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or when the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end 
the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. One of my favorite Seriously, quotes. one and of I my don't, favorite I quotes. wouldn't have known about these words that Theodore mm-hmm. Roosevelt spoke if it weren't for Brene sharing them because she's not only shared them, this has become foundational in so much of what she shares. Mm-hmm. It's powerful and it's a reminder that so many of us need, whether we are in the arena or whether we are not. Well, and it's a great reminder that the arena is messy. Mm-hmm. There is no way to be showing up in your life in a clean way. And that's the truth. Like when you are showing up, it means you are stretching yourself. It means you are experiencing things. It means you are not running or numbing or masking. It means you are in there down and dirty with the good, with the bad, with the ugly, with all of it. And there is nothing in life that is all good or all bad. And so there's no way to avoid the dust or the blood or the sweat. But every time I read this quote, I think, those days where I am working so hard, just physically working so hard or doing a big hike and you get done and you are dusty and you are sweaty and you may be bloody and you've just worked your brains out. And at the end of the day, how do you sleep that night? You lay your head on the pillow and you're like, you feel the greatest sense of relief and accomplishment because you, you did it. You, you did, did what it. you set out to do. You showed up. Yeah. You and showed you gave up it everything. Yep. And you're able to reap. You can't feel that moment of amazing relief and peace and joy without the dirt, sweat and blood. And so we need to be a little more intentional about how we view the dirt, the sweat and the blood. Um, I think when we go through certain things or particularly for me, I talk about it a lot with motherhood because I'm pretty secure with myself as an individual. I am less secure with myself as a mother, not because I think I suck, but because I fiercely love my children so dang much that the thought of my shortcomings affecting them is so unbearable for me that it just really can, can set me off. And so if I am having a situation where we're working through something with my kids, well, we're, where we're in the dust and blood and sweat, which we are all the time because that's life. Um, shame, shame can come in Mm. and, and at the heart of shame, going back to what we talked about in the beginning is I think our deepest fear truly is like, we're, we're really not enough. And when I start to have those feelings in motherhood, like I am trying to be the best mother I can. I don't know how I could be showing up better. I'm giving it my whole heart, my whole soul, all my energy. And it still isn't going the way I want it to, which by the way, it, no one ever said that if you were a perfect mom and gave it 110% that it was going to go the way you thought it should. Totally. And so when that, when that happened, I had shame of like, it must be me. I Mm. must not be a good enough mom or I must not be a good enough wife or I must not be a good enough friend or member of the church or whatever that manifested as. And it started to like just little bits of shame come in. And again, I'm not saying this like I am this devastated individual. I'm saying we all have this in small ways. We all have it and I have it all the time and you have it all the time, Mm -hmm. but are we identifying it as like what is actually happening? Because it can come up in a lot of different ways, dissatisfaction, impatience, anger, right? And these avoidance tactics we use, but really at the heart of it is a shame. And the problem with shame is that shame is a divider. Shame takes you out of a group of people and keeps you in that bubble and 
the lie that shame tells us is that like you suck and you're the only one who sucks and nobody else feels this way and nobody else has ever experienced this, which is the exact opposite of what we need. It's the exact opposite of what can take us from shame to connection to self-love and to all those things that we want, the happiness and joy that we want. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the opposite of reality. It is absolutely. It's and, just not reality. And I'm just going to say it. Like, I truly believe that that is a tool of Satan. I believe that there is someone who is intent on on keeping us miserable and destroying us. And I believe that that is a tool he uses. That is why shame is so effective is because it separates us. It disconnects us. It takes us to a place of like, you're the center of your own horrible world and no one can ever understand. And that's, it's not true. Mm -hmm. That's not truth. But when we do that, when we start to get in the shame cycle, it turns into fear and fear and shame together can make you do pretty bizarre things. And it for sure makes you super unhappy. I mean, really profoundly unhappy. Um, when you said that, that combination is very dangerous and it's, you know, when you were saying it's just not true and you know that I believe that too, it's just not true is you have to pay attention to how you feel when this con- this yucky combination comes together, because when yeah. you feel those things, you can tell it's not true because it doesn't feel good. You know, what right. feels good. Truth. Mm. I love that Beck. That is so say that again. That was a really good. I forgot all the words. <laughs> You know that something is true because truth makes you feel good. You can feel the truth. When you feel the truth. You feel peace. Yes. You feel joy. You feel light. You feel calm. Calm. You feel still. Mm. Like you feel all of these things that you're like, yes, this feels right and good and true. Yes. And that's how you know. And if you feel yucky, it's because something's off. Yucky or dissettled or frantic. Or any or, amount or of shame. Or any amount of shame. Well, and that's what we're talking or about. Or any is, of its masking yeah. emotions. I love that you said that. I'd never thought about it that way. And that's so true. Because truth doesn't feel like happy, euphoric joy. It feels like peace mm-hmm. and true, deep contentment. Yeah. So if you're having an emotion and it's not that, like recognize it for what it is. Call it by its name. Your shame. I'm ashamed because I feel like I might not be enough. Now, one way to like bust through this and we're going to go through actually Brene gives us a list and this is this is from her data so I'm going to delay that last thought and we're going to go through this list but this is data that she um that she collected over many years um when she realized being wholehearted was really what vulnerability was and so it's the traits of wholehearted people and it's pretty shocking now I would have told you prior to like seriously studying vulnerability that I was a much more vulnerable individual than my husband. Hmm. Reading through this list, my husband mm. was much more vulnerable How than I was. Interesting. But he didn't look it. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Completely different. So this is like actual true vulnerability, okay? Hold so, on really quick. Yeah, go ahead. Can I invite, um, if you're listening, can you maybe think of someone that you know that you think is a wholehearted person? I think that would be helpful to like put a face on somebody that you know in your personal life yeah. or that you think you know um, and try to identify if you think that they are a wholehearted person. Let's see if this list kind of matches yeah. up with that person just to help you humanize it a little bit. And of course, more importantly, think about these things for yourself. But I, yeah. I think you're going to be surprised because yeah. there's a lot more to it. Okay, so the first, the first trait of wholehearted people is they cultivate authenticity. Okay. Which is defined as letting go of what people think. That's a 
that's a big one. We could we could stick on that one. You for could like stick on that one for the rest of your life. Rest of I right? was say the episode, but yes, your your whole life. I've struggled with this. Uh, we've I've all struck, struggled with this. Sure, there's not one human being it. that has not struggled with this. But there's been some recent struggle, yeah. very real for me, and I've talked about it. So yeah. I've, you know, I've shared about that here. But I I think you're right. I think it's something that is hard for everybody at some level. So even though you said earlier, Becky, a few minutes ago, that you actually don't care what other people think, and there's only a few people that really yeah. it matters to you. Um, that is authenticity in terms of letting go what people, letting go of what people think. Mm -hmm. And so that is something that is part natural gift in you and part something that you've made a choice to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. But also something that really I have to be mindful of when I think about being wholehearted, because as much as I do not care what most people think, Mm -hmm. I also deeply care what some people think. A few people. A few Mm -hmm. people, but I really have to keep that in check. Um, and being able to stand kind of in my truth and know and be self-confident to know that what I'm doing and what I am and where I'm going and cultivating is exactly what it's supposed to be. And that, that's a practice. All these things, you guys, Mm. these are practices. Some people may look like they have natural gifts towards certain things, but there's a list of 10 there. I, I don't think I've ever met someone who's just great at all 10 of these. Although truthfully, Taylor was really good at about eight. <laughs> we all know how Taylor Son of a gun. scales on the list. Really though, greatness. he was, he's good at a lot of these things, but you know what? Taylor's had a lot of really hard experiences yeah. that have helped him to, to cultivate this in his life and to have the character that he has. Yeah. Yeah. We all have, all of you guys have, and, and on some level, every one of you and every one of us has been through experiences that have helped us exactly do that to cultivate stronger, deeper, more, um, authentic and full of integrity characteristics that we wouldn't have had had we not been through the experiences. Mm-hmm. And so, okay. So cultivating, even, well, even in the past 24 hours, as yeah, I'm saying, like yeah. I'm kind of a raw nerve. Um, I recognize that I am given experiences as I'm praying about cultivating vulnerability. I'm given experiences to help me cultivate vulnerability. So then I can, I can be able to teach about it. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and I'm telling you the past year more than ever in my life, I have been, and really it's been a pretty knock on wood, peaceful year, but like I have had more opportunities to cultivate vulnerability than ever before, because I know it's what I'm supposed to be doing. And we're given those experiences truly to help us learn what we need to learn for sure. Maybe I should just stop praying for attributes. <laughs> I don't even dare pray for patience. I don't, I don't, I don't want it. I'm good. Okay. Wait, is patience on this list? No, because... thankfully. Okay. Second one is cultivating compassion. And that's defined as letting go of perfectionism. Wait, what? Compassion and perfectionism. Wait. Right? Okay, hold on. I'm processing. What I know. What is the connection? Because what is the I, I deepest form of compassion for yourself and others? Mm. Letting go of an expectation of perfection or that there is perfection. It is a deepest form of compassion when we don't incorporate perfectionism into our relationships with ourselves or anyone else. I have never thought about it that way. Never. Go Brene. Brene, you're the bomb. Wow. Okay. Wow. The third one, Mm -hmm. cultivating a resilient spirit. So letting go of numbing and powerlessness. I would also define powerlessness as being stuck. We talk a lot about being stuck. We're truly never stuck. Nothing's holding us in place. Our feelings can be really difficult to move through for sure. It can feel like quicksand, but we are never truly stuck. We are never powerless 
within our own life ever. We have agency. We have choice. We're never stuck, right? We can feel stuck, but we truly are never stuck. So let go of that notion that you're stuck and powerless because you're not. You are a powerful, amazing, capable, endowed, gifted human being. You are not powerless in your life. And and you're saying that in order to feel unstuck, because a, a lot of people relate to feeling stuck. Oh, for sure. What you're saying is you're not actually stuck, first of all. That's mm-hmm. just a feeling. It's a thought. But also you are so endowed already with power. You are not powerless and you have the, the choice and the opportunity. You have the capability and yeah. you have the capacity. And I'm not saying you go from being stuck to flying high in four seconds. I'm saying millimeter by millimeter you move forward. I think I think the powerlessness is sometimes it becomes a crutch. Mm. I'm stuck. I'm powerless. Because when you say I'm stuck and I'm powerless, it takes <sighs> it takes the accountability away from you and puts it on some external thing. And so it can be a comfort blanket of it's fine. I'm stuck and powerless. It's fine. I don't have to do anything because I'm stuck and powerless. And it's just another numbing tactic. Our bodies biologically are made to protect us from pain. Our brain, they're hardwired to protect us from pain and from tragedy. And our brains can do really tricky things to trick us into thinking that it is a protection response and that what we need is a protection response. And it's more about becoming aware of what your triggers are. What are your numbing things? Like if I, I'm telling you right now, if I am having a really stuck feeling, I want to watch TV mm-hmm. and I rarely watch TV, mm-hmm. but if I want to escape, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And so I know for me, if I'm feeling the pull to want to watch TV, that's a, that's like a red flag for me to be like, Hey, what, what's going on here? Right. What am I, if I'm wanting to lay in bed all day and watch TV, probably there's something I need to like be addressing, thinking a little deeper about. And it's not always obvious to me. It's not always obvious of what's actually going on. And I really have to take, like you said, the time and stillness, um, to, to figure out what it is and to sit with the feeling, to sit with the feeling and to figure out what is actually going on. And I want to add also that because we talk about once in a while, we like to integrate this message into pretty much everything we talk about. Live the story you want to tell. The application of that with this particular point is that if you want to tell a story of powerlessness, then that's how you're going to live. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Totally. So yeah. if you really desire to tell the story of re- of being resilient and powerful and really being able to navigate your way through challenges because of proactivity and truly mm-hmm. cultivating a better life because of those actions you take and so on and so forth. Yeah. If that's the story you want to tell, then you're going to live it. So you have to want to tell that story. Do not fall into the trap of the lie that is you being powerless because well, you're not. If, okay, so say you're stuck. Let's like break this down for or a minute. So I think stuck. sometimes people hear them say, like this thought work stuff and they hear it and they say, it's not enough when I am feeling in the pit of despair. It's not enough for me to just tell myself I'm not in the pit of despair. Mm-hmm. So let's break it down further. Mm-hmm. So say you're having a feeling of being stuck. You're not actually feeling stuck. What are you actually feeling? Are you feeling fear that you're not enough? Are you feeling shame that you you, you feel like you could be doing more? Are you what are you, are you, are you feeling, feeling confused are you in your place? Confused? Are you feeling um, dissatisfied with what you feel like you should be doing? Are you feeling like there's a lot of feelings that are not stuck 
I'm doing quotes. Totally. What is, what is behind that? Like, what are you actually feeling? And I think we've kind of gotten out of the practice of identifying what we are actually feeling. And for me, it helps when I talk it out mm-hmm. or when I write. And that's how I kind of get to the bottom of what's going on. Because when I'm stuck, obviously I'm not stuck. I'm not cemented into the ground. Like, what, why, why am I feeling that way? Am I feeling scared that I'm not showing up? Am I feeling fear that I'm not a good enough mom or, or fear that something's not going the way I want it to, but it's rooted in something else. And so if you're feeling those numbing red flags, know what your red flags are, know what your triggers are, and then get to the bottom of what you're actually feeling. But that takes proactivity. It does take and proactivity. And so Becky mentioned that writing and talking help her. I happen to be the same way. We're very similar that way. Like that verbal processing and yeah. that, that written word, like those things help us. But I'm telling you right now, you don't even have to be somebody who likes to talk a lot or write or anything like that. But I, I have to remind you again and again and again that you cannot get to the place of understanding the deeper underneath belly of any of this unless you sit still for a minute. And uh-huh. I just think that there's too much noise all the time in most of our lives. And that is why things get avoided. That's why mm-hmm. we put, that's why we um, numb ourselves is because noise, noise, noise. And there's, you know, yeah. this, it's just a constant movement of, of things happening in our life. So really, truly sitting still can look like honestly five if, minutes in your car in the parking lot the before shower, you run into the, right? the shower. The shower is a good yes. one. Yes. And of course, you know being in prayer or meditating or, but, but literally no noise. I just, I think Mm -hmm. that that is significant and it will help every one of us to be a little better about being more aware of the processing that we are capable of doing. Sometimes now when I'm feeling that like urge to numb, Mm -hmm. I will listen to podcasts Mm. and I will listen to podcasts um, that have information that I know is going to help me. Yeah. Not just fluffy stuff, not just fluffy stuff. Although that's fun too sometimes, but it, um, I listen to things I know are going to help. Hmm. And if I need that little bit of a crutch, like that is really what helps me. Mm-hmm. It's interesting though, as we talk about this, because we're talking about numbing and how that helps us to not be vulnerable, which then helps us not have true and authentic relationships. And one of the things we hear a lot from women is they just don't feel like they have any, they're having a lot of trouble with adult relationships and connectivity in life. This is why you guys, because we have a whole lifetime of experiences and conditioning that have taught us to, to close off and protect. And we're not experiencing adult relationships in the way that we could be certainly because we have these little barriers that we need to break down and it's our responsibility to do that. So if you're feeling like you're not connecting with people, this is a really great place to start Mm -hmm. is looking at the things we're talking about. Um, the fourth one is cultivating gratitude and joy. So letting go of the scarcity mentality, which is there's only enough love to go around. There's only enough. There's only so much success that can go around. Only enough opportunity. You feel threatened by someone else's opportunity. Oh, they have that. So now I never will. Mm-hmm. It's just not true. Mm-hmm. Like opportunity, love, business, all those things are endless resources. I mean, truly. And cultivating gratitude and joy for what you have and you add the scarcity and being happy for others and being grateful for their opportunities and their joy forms connection. It breaks down that wall that a lot of us build. I love that so much. Um, the fifth is cultivating intuition and faith. So letting go of the need for certainty. Um, you can call it whatever you want. You know our faith. Um, my faith is in Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ. I let go of my need for certainty of 
that I have to have all the answers because I recognize that I have a loving heavenly father who has me, who has the answers. And so my need for certainty is not as profound as if I didn't have that. I don't have the need for that because I understand what I don't understand and I'm okay with it. To speak from personal experience, um, you know, even in business for me and over the years, I conditioned myself to need certainty. I needed, I needed to know I needed the crystal ball. I always talk about beginning with the end in mind. So I always wanted to know what the end was. What's the end? What's the goal? What's, what are we reaching for? Who are we helping? How are we serving them? You know, and this kind of sucked me into this rhythm of needing to know and, and understand with certainty what the future holds. And with the way that everything has unfolded for me this year, this is something I've talked about on social media. And I think I've talked about it here on the podcast as well, but one of my favorite, favorite, favorite mantras, mantras in life, Mm -hmm. it has become, I don't know. And I really like it. And it's kind of awesome. It's kind of awesome not knowing. And that is so, I would say that's so not like me, but that's not the truth. It is me. It's who I have evolved to be. And it's, it's like, not even who you evolved to be. It's, it's who, who I already you, was. It's who you already were. Yeah. And you have had opportunities this year to break down some it's of those closed off barriers. And yeah. you're remembering again, wait a minute, I'm certain I'm enough. Mm. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And, and then I don't need and part of my okayness is, is being okay. Not knowing. Yes. Fill in the blank. And how do you feel back when you, oh, when gosh. you mm. like, what's one word to describe how you feel when you really embrace this of letting go of the need for certainty, total peace. Total peace, total, total peace. freedom, freedom. Right? And I've used freedom. Yes. Visually, just knowing you, a weight lifted off of you in mm-hmm. the knowledge that you don't have to. Yeah. And it's a big deal, guys. Man. It's very life changing mm-hmm. and it's very freedom freedom and peace are the two and joy would be the three words that yeah. that come that have come to me personally. So this is not just here's some thoughts and some theories. This is this is my real life. This yeah. is my real life this year. And it has brought me a tremendous amount of calm that I didn't have before. I think I'm a calm, peaceful, happy, joyful person. I would say you I've are too. I've never experienced it quite like that until this year. Okay. So six is cultivating creativity. And this definition is letting go of comparison. Okay. Isn't that interesting? Some of these opposites are things I never would have thought of. So mm-hmm. I would have never thought the opposite of creativity was comparison. But it really yeah, I'm, is. Yeah, I'm really thinking about that and how that... Think about it. Okay. Let's just talk about it from a social media perspective. Okay, yes. I go online yeah. and I'm looking at content and then I'm looking at everyone else's content. And mm-hmm. then what happens to my content? Mm-hmm. I compare it against what other people are creating. Mm. I might even start to unknowingly shape what I'm creating against what other people are creating. And I stop, I start to lose that really authentic creation place. My hand just went up. Yes. You in the front. <laughs> I wish I could see us sometimes. <laughs> my hand literally just shot up. Like I was a little school girl. <laughs> yes. In Rebecca Algayer. What with. can I help you with? <laughs> You guys, Allgaier is my maiden name in case you've missed that. So sometimes she will use my full given Rebecca name and my maiden name, Allgaier. I don't know. I don't know. She always answers. All right. Here's, here's what's up. Let me just, what is up? let me just tell you a very real example that anyone who even knows the work that I do will like go, Oh, that's interesting. So we have the BH classroom. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm a teacher. I like to teach. I like to instruct. I like to inspire and share blah, blah, blah. When we were initiating the BH classroom and I was 
beginning to develop my content for the first class that we were going to release, I thought, you know, what would be really smart is if I actually sign up for some other online courses of people kind of in my field ish so that I at least understand yeah, yeah, the scope Give of us like a starting point. Yeah, maybe, exactly. It's not, it wasn't my first time doing it, but I was like, it would probably be smart. Notice I'm using that word. It must be smart for me to at least understand the landscape of online classroom yeah. today as it is and with people who are in my space. So I actually went through and I signed up for a whole bunch of these online courses so that I could then kind of quote study structure and not content, but like the structure and the layout design of the classroom. And so yeah, on you were so doing forth. your due diligence, totally due diligence. Guess how much studying I did. How much? Zero. Let me tell okay. you why. Because of what we're talking about. I actually, I signed up, I paid money. I, you know, got registered in some of these courses. And then I was like, wait, that will jade me. Yeah. I will literally lose my creativity mm-hmm. if I start being influenced by what other people are doing. What are other people doing? Probably wonderful, amazing things. Yeah. But I didn't want to be jaded and swayed in any direction. I am a yeah. very, very creative person. And so are you, dear listener, by the way. Mm-hmm. We are creative beings. We are meant to create. And so is there anything wrong with being influenced by things that we see, say, going back to social media? No, it's not wrong. No, but- this whole episode is inspired by work I've done studying other people's work. There you go. That's a good application. Yes, but it's also, so you have to be careful and whatever it is that you want to create that you are being very, not just careful, but very intentional about what you're allowing to go in and what you're, what you're, um, consuming because it does hinder your creativity. So sorry to interrupt. No, that was perfect. That's why that my was hand a perfect shot example. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, and I think it's just good. We think about comparison and talk a lot about how it does make you feel good. You don't feel good when you're comparing. A lot of times it's our minds tricking us into thinking we're not as good as, and that's where comparison kind of leads to. But I like this added, this added depth, this one layer deeper of thinking comparison actually robs me of creativity Mm -hmm. and creativity brings me joy. Hmm. Right. And so there you go. It's kind of that like, yeah, we know comparison robs us of joy, but it really robs us of creativity. And so it was eye opening, eye opening for me. Um, and for me, I love that connection again. Wouldn't have thought of it that way ever. Yeah. It's awesome. Let's see the data doesn't lie. Mm -mm. This is data. These aren't nice thoughts or like, this is quantifiable data, which I love. Um, cause this is truth. The next one, number seven is cultivating play and rest. So Mm. I'll tell you when I was going through with Taylor, the ones he said, um, he struggled with were letting go of the need for certainty not particularly in faith, but in other things. Um, and also what else did he say? Um, letting go of exhaustion as a status symbol and productivity as self-worth. So cultivating play and rest. Really? This is a problem we have. I'm pointing right at myself here. What did I tell you was one of my numbing tactics? TV. I get going in another project I can feel oh, successful oh, oh. in. TV right? was another one. We all have so many. TV, right? <laughs> yeah, TV, but you get involved in another project that you can that feel I successful can, in. Because right? that productivity then equals self-worth. Mm. The band-aid I'm putting on it is when I'm productive, I'm worthwhile. Flip the coin. When I'm not productive, I'm not worthwhile. Hmm. And that's not true. Your productivity does not diminish or enhance your worth one iota right? Your worth is something that is inherent. 
So exhaustion as a status symbol, I think as a culture, and actually they talk about this in Essentialism, that book we love from Greg oh, McEwen. Um, that read it, there read is it, read it, read it, read it, totally. read it, read it. I'm serious. Yeah. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. That was an eye-opening one. Yes. Because I didn't realize till I read that book, sometimes I use exhaustion mm-hmm. and productivity as a status symbol. I, I do. a lot of people do. And honestly, I think the business world, you know, my husband's in business, and I think... Um, we do glorify that. We glorify that in college or in high school um, when we want our kids to play musical instruments and we want them to have jobs and we want them to be responsible and academic and athletic and well-rounded and service-oriented. Why? Why do we want those things, right? Mm. Because we feel that the productivity gives us greater worth. Mm. Isn't that interesting to think about? Totally. Those are all good things and you can all still do those good things, but you need to get your head right about what they're attached to in your life. Right. Um, wow. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Rest. So rest is a way to cultivate vulnerability. Hmm. So saying, man, I'm really tired and I need a break and I need to be still. And I think sometimes in our culture, we think that those are signs of weakness or signs, um, that, that you're weak emotionally really like the most vulnerable thing you can do is, is sit in stillness and lack of motion. Truly. And I'll say for, in my own experience with rest, there have been times over the years where I was, I have been so exhausted and all I needed was a power nap. Mm. However, I associated resting or napping with guilt Totally. With totally shame. You go to that shame internal. place of 100% why internal. am I such a crappy human being yeah, like why that do I, I even need, need a rest? nap? Yeah. She doesn't need a nap. Yeah. I see this guy doesn't need a nap. What is wrong with me yeah. that I need a nap? Right. I don't like that. I just want you to know. <laughs> I really don't like that I've done that a lot and I've gotten so much better about it over even, uh, not even in the past year, for the last several Couple years, years I, yeah. when I need a nap, I just take a nap yeah. and I disassociate it from guilt. I'm not saying that I feel totally guilt-free because there's still that like, human. That's okay. That's a natural. We're not talking about eradicating these feelings our bodies produce. What we're talking about is putting them in order, putting them in the check that they need to be in and being aware of them so that we can cultivate to do better. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not about eradic. These things are never going to go away. You're never not going to care what people think there, whether you get really good at this practice and you're able to talk yourself down or not is the question. How do you want to move through these emotions? Because I truly believe that every single one of these things, all of us deal with on a different level and will continue to. And that's okay. That's what it's supposed to be. It's yeah. about being aware so that we know and can do better. Yeah. That's and it. times and seasons. Sometimes we're going to be better or worse about some of the things on here. Right. And all of that's okay. Totally. Yeah. Um, the next one re- plays really nicely off, um, off number seven is cultivating calm and still letting go of anxiety as a lifestyle. Mm. Hmm. There is hmm. something with anxiety, <laughs> oh, there's so a much biological response. When you, when you are putting yourself in an anxiety state, your body is building neuro neural pathways that stay. As you continue to stay in a bad habit, it becomes your lifestyle and your reality, and it becomes much more difficult to change. If you are letting anxiety be your default emotion or keeping yourself in, and I'm talking purely biological, in that biological anxiety state, you are literally changing your brain. That's nuts. It's nuts. And the good news is, is you can always change back, but it takes more work. Yeah. But we don't even realize by sometimes 
again, using even anxiety as a status symbol of like, oh, my kids are involved in everything and I'm so, you'll notice a lot of these things. My first thing is my kids, my kids, because you can tell <laughs> with vulnerability where I have to work the hardest mm-hmm. and it's with my kids. And, um, when we talk about that anxiety response and keeping ourselves in it, we're not serving. We're not serving ourselves. We know this. It doesn't feel good. Like you said, it doesn't feel good and truthful and peaceful. It feels awful. Yeah. It feels the worst. Yet sometimes we glorify and put people on pedestals because they're so busy and they're out there moving and shaking. And you know what I mean? We glorify that because we go back to the comparison of, why can't, why can't I, why can't I withstand the amount of activity they can and still maintain my sanity? You know, I'm not, I'm not perfect at this, but years ago I made a pretty conscientious effort to never use the word busy. I got so sick of it. And yeah. am I a, am I a very busy person? I've never not been. I mean, right. like, of course, like everyone can probably relate to that. But when I heard myself say, oh, so busy, I'm like, ew, gross. No, like who cares? Who isn't? Who isn't? Yeah. And so I started feeling that way when people would say to me, oh, I bet you've been so busy or you just look so busy. I'm like, aren't we all? Like, it's like, yeah. here's what it is. And I've, I've and you've really... made your choices. Everything yeah. you do, I will over busy myself sometimes, but those are choices I make. And so when people say, wow, you've been gone a lot, or I've seen, they'll, they'll watch Instagram stories and be like, wow, you and Becky have been doing a lot of speaking. That's got to just be so nuts. I'm like, you know what? No. I made those choices and, and I made them intentionally and we had things worked out with our family. And so, no, it's, it's fine. It's a choice. That anxiety yeah. response sometimes, mm. the response is not a choice, but what you do with it is. And so if you feel yourself having those anxious responses, you're not being vulnerable. <laughs> Can you already feel through this episode as I am verbally processing my raw emotions that Do you see how yes, literally yes. like as you process through it, I can feel them dissipate mm-hmm. and I can feel them not have as much power. So good, you guys. Well, and the fact that you were really thinking about and working on the development of how this conversation would go today really prepared you and armed you for even the past 24 hours of just struggles and challenges, Yeah, you know, that you were able to process better mm-hmm. because of your work. And that is what this is not to overwhelm you. That's not no. what I mean. Not to overwhelm the listener, but to help us to realize that this is work. It is work. You mm-hmm. actually have to make an effort to cultivate a good life. Imagine that, right? Imagine that this is <laughs> The great news is, is at the end of this work, you might not feel exhausted. You might in fact feel free What? and you might feel light and you might feel happiness and peace. Yeah. And you might be able to connect with people on a real level Mm -hmm. that are going to fill your cup Mm -hmm. with joy and -hmm. delicious Italian soda. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Number nine is cultivating meaningful work. Okay. Please, my sweet, sweet friends, listen to these next words. Letting go of self-doubt and supposed to. Okay. She's taking you a You know moment. what's so funny? I'm not you feel- had the same response as my husband when I said that. He's like, you need to explain to me the supposed yes. to because I don't get it. Because no, I, I like, I'm feeling it for you. Like mm-hmm. you really felt this, but yes. I, I'm not feeling it yet. I okay. want you to help me connect the dots on what that How means. How can you cultivate meaningful work okay. if you are constantly looking to what you quote think you're supposed to do. Oh gosh, I get it. Is that not the story of my life this year? It is. Oh my gosh. I just I'm clicked. supposed to be this way. A good mm. wife 
is supposed to look like this. A good mother is supposed to look like this. A good woman is supposed to, a good businesswoman supposed to, a good speaker, a good influencer, a good, whatever it is, whatever your thing is, you're supposed to look a certain way. And we cannot cultivate meaningful work when we sit in the space of supposed to. Right? Because you're ro- you're not creating space in your life. You're mm-hmm. filling space. And the whole thing you need to create meaningful work and to cultivate this ability to have meaningful work is you have to create space. So you take those supposed tos and you shove, you them, shove them right <laughs> in the garbage can where they stinking you belong. You kick them so far to the curb. Yep. Well, and I, you know the reason why I'm like, Oh gosh, yes. Now I connect. Cause I was at first it was just words. And then as yeah. you said it again and I was really processing, it didn't take me long. You could see that yep. because that is another story of my life this year. And I really thank my friend, Mike Lemieux, who I have talked about, um, on social media specifically. So if you missed it, I'll just recap here. When I was going through, um, you know, all these changes that I was experiencing and feeling all the supposed to's. Yeah. I felt like I was supposed to be this kind of a boss and this kind of a CEO and this kind of a, you know, running a business and this kind of a person on social media. And I felt all these external pressures and all these supposed tos. And when we regrouped and he and I were finishing up our working together because he was coaching me in business and marketing things, um, he gave me the best advice, which was move forward, take a little break. But then when you come back, only, only, only do the things that truly bring you joy, which in the words that you are using and quoting Brene Brown, meaningful work. And he said, you only do the meaningful work and you disassociate it from anything that has to do with results or revenue or any of that, which was a mind blowing, life altering thing for me to consider because I felt this abundance of peace and freedom with the idea of only focusing on meaningful work and taking away what was the, um, taking away the supposed to, supposed to, that's exactly what it is. And it's changed my life because that's all I'm doing, Becky, right now. Totally. But you know that. 100%. I don't know if our listeners know that, but the only thing that you will ever see me do, including this podcast that you are listening to right now, mm-hmm. that has to do with my work or my entire life, is because I'm choosing it with intention and with love, no fear. Now, here's another thing I'm going to add to this because I love to give you these moments. Give me a um, moment, sister. All those things, letting go of those supposed tos. Yes. And the things that we know that we are creating, none of those would have been possible had you not have let go of your supposed tos. Absolutely. You wouldn't have even had the space in your life to consider creating something else. Mm-hmm. I mean, truly. No, really. Like that That's is a pretty the, profound it's thing. It's profound and it's true. We go back to what we were talking about earlier, how that's how I know what is truth is because of the feelings associated with the, the thing, the situation, the story. And there's so much peace and calm that I feel in the truth. That is what you just said. Yeah. That's what that's. Yeah. That's pretty, love that's it so pretty much. exceptional. And it's pretty great that you're seeing the cultivating of meaningful work now as part of your life. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, especially because I thought that that's what I was doing all along. And I was, it just looked different. A lot of the meaningful work that I was cultivating was associated with supposed tos, mm-hmm. not in the beginning, but then it became that as right. you know, things grew. As it and, moves on and yeah, evolves. Yeah. And, and that's totally. okay. And in fact, I feel so grateful that that's what it did so that I could cycle through that season and understand it better and have more compassion for yeah. people who 
also share that story with me, even though they're, you know, it looks different for different people, obviously, but it's the same principle. These are principles that are true. I love it. Totally true. Love it. Okay. Then our last one, round us out. It kind of sounds hokey, but stick with me. Mm -hmm. Cultivating laughter, song and dance. Oh, right. It's just not right up your alley. Of the top 10 (laughs) traits of wholehearted people. I do not have a problem with this one in any way, shape or form. She does not. Um, Defined as letting go of being cool and quote, always in control. Mm, Okay. Oh, Mm -hmm. let that wash over. Got it. Feeling washed over. (laughs) Well, and I think the, the underlying thing to that is goes back to loops back to creating authenticity is letting go of what people think. So letting go of being cool. Yeah or what you think that's supposed to look like or having how people are going to perceive you and just let it breathe. Just dance and sing and do the things that set your soul on fire without worrying about how you come across without shame Mm. of how your dancing looks without guilt. Your dancing looks good, sister. It looks, it looks joyful. That's for darn sure. It does. It sure does. And so, oh, go oh, ahead. Did you no, want to add something no, to the I'm end of that? I'm just loving okay. this. Yeah. So that is our list of the 10 traits of wholehearted people, which we'll go back to where we started at the beginning. True vulnerability is being wholehearted. Mm-hmm. Because when you get to that place of wholeheartedness, which I think this was one of the lessons we've talked about that cancer taught me, but this articulates it. When you become wholehearted, it doesn't matter what happens to you or how people interact with you because regardless, you can maintain your integrity, you can maintain your worth, and you can maintain your happiness. It essentially is becoming emotionally self-reliant. And is there any greater gift to give to yourself and your family than you becoming emotionally self-reliant and being wholehearted? Your capacity to love others becomes greater because you love yourself and because you're able to clear the debris when you need to refocus and you create space in your heart and in your life to love better and to love stronger and to create better connections. And that my friends (sighs) is what it's all about. It's as if Brene was just sitting here with us anyway. We love you, Brene. Hey, I'm going to ask Beck. That was so good. Thank you so much. Um, can you remind people the source where those 10, um, attributes do you, is it a book or is it one of, is it one of Brene's books or she has referenced it in a few different places. If you go on Google and Mm -hmm. just search Brene Brown's 10 traits for wholehearted living, there you go. Um, you'll be able to find it in a myriad of places. It is in, um, Daring Greatly though, is the book that it's in. Brene has a few different, wonderful, amazing books. And I would seriously encourage you if this, if this vulnerability thing, which I imagine it is because it is for everybody is something you really want to try to cultivate in your life. Brene, um, for me is kind of the number, number one source of information, um, that I find a lot of truth. And I have found a lot of, a lot of help as I am trying to cultivate my very best life and be wholehearted. Absolutely. Friends, thank you so much for carving out the time to listen and for joining us in this continued conversation about cultivating not just vulnerability, but cultivating a good life. Nothing we have said is more important than the specific things you have felt that are personal for you. We invite you, as always, to write down those promptings you feel and most importantly, act on them. We love you. We're cheering you on and we look forward to being with you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.
can't resist my no. When it's a no, it's a no. Just like when you say it's a yes, no matter what, I'm like, oh crap. Now I got to go with the yes. No means no. Just say it. I'm so glad we love each other. I really am. It means so much to me. Okay. So how about this? That's my stomach making a sound. No, my stomach is making the sound at the exact same time. (laughs) It was gurgling. What's the weirdness in our tummies? It's fine. I'm eating breakfast now. Did you have breakfast? I did. I'm doing really good with food. My calories decision food baking. Nutrition. It's really great. Okay, good. Let's just get our tummies to be quiet now. Okay. 